Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you had brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God.
To God's people gathered in hope, wherever you are, grace to you, mercy and peace from God our Creator and Christ our Redeemer through the work and power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As God has greeted you, so too, take a moment, greet anybody that's around you, and if you're alone, or even if you're not, find some time later today when you see somebody else to pass to them the peace and encouragement of God in Christ. Amen. You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet we are like grass that springs up new in the morning, but by evening it is dry and withered. Our days may come to seventy years, or eighty, if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. So teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. But you, brothers and sisters, are not to be surprised. For we are children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night. Since we belong to the day, let us be awake sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that, whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another 
and build each other up. It's not long till the boastful are silenced and shamed. It's not long till the wealth of the wicked's reclaimed. And the ones who have waited with eyes on the Lord will shine like the sun forevermore. It's not To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Help us now to hear and obey what you say to us today. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. We uh, turn this morning to Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Uh, this is a, a parable of the kingdom of God. Matthew 25, beginning at verse 14, listen then 
for the voice of God. Again, it, the kingdom, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Mastery said, you entrust him with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I could have received it back with interest. Take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For those who have will be given more, and they will have an abundance. As for those who do not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the 1970s, LaSalle Street Church in Chicago was part of a coalition that built a mixed-income housing complex some Hope folks were involved, like Bud Ipema, uh, where they were part of this project, and Elder Arlo Kampan had an office there. Situated in the shadow of Cabrini Green, it was a remarkable venture. Investing both money and sweat equity, LaSalle Street Church retained a 2% investment in the property and when it was sold in 2014, they received a $1.6 million windfall. That's a lot of money for a church of about 200 members. Given their long history of investment in neighborhood ministries, there were all sorts of ideas about how to put the money to good use. However, 
However, the elders voted to take $160,000 off the top. And one Sunday, they surprised everyone in the congregation with a check for $500, encouraging them to use the money in whatever way they chose for God's work in the world. That morning, Pastor Laura, Laura Truax said, There's no fine print here. None of you need to do anything but walk over to Leslie Hall and get the check. Is this unbelievably risky? Yes, it is. Right now, we're a church that's $50,000 behind its budget. We're doing this because this is what it feels like to do business with God. Risky and crazy and vulnerable and incredibly threatening and exciting at the same time. That's pretty cool, isn't it? A living parable. They were good stewards. God blessed them, and they in turn sought to invest again to bless others. And maybe that's the point of our text. Invest wisely and watch the blessings multiply. Give, God gives according to ability and helps those who help themselves. So don't be timid, tepid, or terrified. Don't be cautious, clingy, or shy. Don't bury your blessing but invest your treasure in the kingdom and abundance will follow for the master wants you to share in his joy. Bury your treasure and life will hold its own sort of hell. You know, this parable of the kingdom is often read with that slant. The lesson is about faithful stewardship of the gifts God has given until God returns to take account. But as a terrible investment manager, this reads like a parable of judgment. Because what if I slip up, miss an opportunity, can't muster the courage or get sidetracked and selfish? Is this the only way to understand Jesus here? Our translation reads that the servants were given bags of gold. The Greek word here is actually talanta, and it's probably not entirely inappropriate to equate talanta with the English word talent. In fact, the etymology of talent can be traced back to its use in this text in the publishing of the King James Bible. So it must mean more than money, and surely the lesson means that we're to invest all our resources, our skills, abilities, gifts, and talents. But the word originally was a measure of weight or a measure of money. A talanta was the equivalent to the wages of a lifetime. It was an obscenely large amount of money. As one scholar put it, a Mediterranean laborer wouldn't have had any more of a clue about how to invest five talenta 
than the guy who bags my groceries would have about investing $74 million. Jesus, who had never personally seen that kind of money, used an outlandish hyperbole to symbolize the gospel. Now, most readings of this parable turn on how to interpret Talanta. What do the talents suggest or symbolize? But, dear friends, what if the parable turns on a different word? Consider the poor bloke who hid the money because that seemed better than to risk losing it. He decided to bury it as they did during times of war. You might lose your tent and some cattle in a battle, but buried treasure was secure, so he got a shovel, found a deserted place behind an old eucalyptus tree, and buried the talent. And for that, he's forever ridiculed. For while he didn't have the wisdom to invest with Berkshire Hathaway or the courage to put down money on those funny-looking newfangled Macintosh computers, neither did he have the sense to stick it in a money market account bearing 1.2% interest. The third servant wasn't a scoundrel or a slacker. He was just cautious. He couldn't risk prosperity for fear of failure. The first two take a risk and turn a profit. But he's tossed into darkness to gnash teeth because he wanted to be safe. And on that fateful day when he's questioned about what he did with the money, he responds that he knew his master was a hard man. The word here is sclerose. Think sclerosis. It's the same word used for having a hardness of heart. It's not a compliment. One scholar defines it as a word with no positive associations. This is hard in the sense of ruthless, merciless, singularly unpleasant and mean. So while the other two celebrate the joyful multiplication of abundance, the third one bites his lip and cowers in the corner because he's sure that the one who gave him more money than he could imagine was a stickler for detail, one who balanced the scales, punished every misstep, kept track of every failing, and damned every fault. The third servant didn't dare invest the money because of the way in which he saw the giver. And so maybe his Failure wasn't the lack of return on investment, but his assessment of the giver 
as stingy and hard. Now, Richard Rohr writes, your image of God creates you or defeats you. Your image of God creates you or defeats you. There is an absolute connection between how you see God and how you see yourself and the whole universe. So, dear friends, could it be that this parable is not so much about the money made as it is about the character of the giver? Could it be that this parable is not so much about what we do but about who God is? Bald-headed and bow-tied, church historian Martin Marty writes, The plot of the 66 canonical books in the Bible, for all its zigs and zags, shows the generosity of God. The first line in Genesis is, In the beginning God created the cosmos out of chaos, something God did not have to do but chose to do as a generous expression. And the last line in Revelation is, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with all the saints. Amen. Say amen to that as a propeller of continuing generosity. Of course, one must take the zigs seriously as they appear in Job. Ecclesiastes, Lamentations, and too many stories of God's judgment. But these do not counter the Bible's witness to the character of God as generous all along the way, generous with Israel and generous through Jesus Christ. That's Martin Marty. And that is to say that the free, overwhelmingly extravagant, radical, self-giving generosity of God in Christ, in that you have received a gift. You are loved and accepted, forgiven and free. It is a generosity that is beyond comprehension or imagination. In a world that measures people by the size of their wallet or the shape of their body, by what they've got or what they give, by intellectual muscle or political capital, by piety or production, you are measured by a grace that can only be measured in hyperbole. Something like, more money than you can count. You are loved and accepted, forgiven and free. And that gift is rooted in the very character of the giver. Look, these are dark, difficult days. Our political norms are under stress. 
A pandemic is surging largely unabated around the world. And lockdowns and distance from loved ones is deadening. It feels like things are closing in. I don't mean to belittle that. We're in for a hard, bitter season. But, but you've also been given a gift beyond anything you could ever ask or imagine, a gift too grand to be trifled with. And while none of it was earned or deserved, it's a gift for which you are now a steward. And you can bury it or you can share it. You can clench it tight for fear of losing it or open it to others. You can let it lie fallow or you can till it. You can hoard it or invest it. You can live in the joy of abundance or the fear of scarcity. Dear friends, we can marvel at God's generosity or cling to the comfort that he is as hard-hearted and hard-headed as we are. I think underneath the darkness of these days, there is still the light that the essential character of God is hesed, a generous love. Not a hard heart, but a heart of loving kindness and mercy. And therefore, may we live out of that gift without greed or fear, or despair. But may we live with hope and gratitude and a willingness to invest in the lives of others because of the nature of the giver. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Please pray with me. Lord God, we come to you today as Hope Church scattered, scattered around Chicagoland and really anywhere for that matter, thanks to technology and podcasts. Lord, we miss the physical gathering of our Hope Church family and collective worship, but we are grateful for the means to gather even in this way. Father, continue to bless Raj, Aaron, Skyler, Margie, and our church leaders with the stamina and creativity to continue to carry on the matters of this church, even in the midst of a pandemic. Father God, in a time when a cough or a sneeze can't help but gain some attention, we are relentlessly mindful of our health. We are thankful for good health and pray you would help us to not take that for granted. We rejoice with Gus Vandenbrink that he is home after successful heart surgery and pray you will sustain him on the road to recovery. We pray for those that are dealing with illness related to COVID-19 and remember those that are facing other health challenges of varying degrees. Give them healing, Lord. And when our health fails us, Lord, you are with us there too. Please grant Roz, Corky, Troy, Kelsey, and the rest of the DeBoer Walterstorff family a special measure of your peace as they mourn the loss of Roz's father, Nick. Lord, this past week we celebrated Veterans Day. For the first time in a long time, social media and news outlets found common ground on something as it relates to our country. We are thankful for our veterans. Father, bless all those who serve, past, present, and future. And may a spirit of unity wash over our land. Lord, today we celebrate Chaplaincy Sunday. Thank you for the work of our chaplains. Bless them as they bring your mercy to those who are hurting or in crisis. Father God, in a time where viruses and voting and vaccines and virtual learning, virtual work and virtual worship all just feel like too much. Help us to remember we belong to something so much more than all of this. For we belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. God, thank you for giving us strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. For great is your faithfulness. Amen.
You've been given a gift. You are loved and accepted, free and forgiven. Go, therefore, to love God and to love neighbor, to serve God and to serve neighbor. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his light upon you and give you peace, now and forevermore. Amen.